This episode of Dollars and Cents is brought to you by First Bank Puerto Rico and Amy Taylor Fernandez voiceovers. Hi, everybody. This is Michelle Cantro Vasquez, host of Dollars and Cents, a news is my business podcast. So it's been a little more than a month since the Puerto Rico Public-Private Partnership Authority announced that Luma Energy had been chosen to operate, maintain, and modernize the Puerto Rico Electric Power Authority's electricity transmission and distribution system for the next 15 years. Since then, there's been much talk from different sectors in Puerto Rico concerned about what's to come. So with that said, News is My Business wanted to sit down with Luma Energy CEO Wayne Stensby to talk about aspects related to consumers as well as the behind the scenes of the agreement. Uh, so thank you so much for being with us today, Mr. Stensby. We appreciate it. That's great. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Michelle, and uh, really look forward to the conversation. Thank you. All right. So why don't we get started on the consumer side of the of the transaction, um, because there has been much talk, a lot of it angry, too. So maybe this is an opportunity to get some stuff cleared up. Um, why don't we start with, you know, the latest events, given that this year's hurricane season seems to be revving up and already and even before today's storm hit. Uh, Puerto Rico had a widespread blackout for several hours, and actually the power is out where I am right now. So that said, what's your assessment of Puerto Rico Electric Power Authority's um, TND grid? Yeah, I mean, th thank you very much, Michelle. And, and um, you know, as I sit here in San Juan, I think the, the question is very poignant and, and very timely. What I might do is just take a step back uh, for a moment, if I might, and um, and and talk about you know how Luma was formed and how Luma got here, and then maybe some of our perspectives on customers, because I do think it is okay. all about the customer. Um, right. And um, Quanta and Atco, who are the the parents, I guess, that have formed Luma, are both organizations that have. Uh, done work for decades, and in fact, we've done work together on some very interesting, innovative, and uh, and meaningful um, businesses <clears throat> across those decades. Um, and we were both doing um, a small amount of work, but we really struggled in many ways to um, to have a more meaningful role per post Hurricane Irma and Maria in 2017. Um, mm -hmm. Although that that did get us in many ways kind of interested in what we might be able to help with in Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. um, then the the P three authority um, you know began this process um, supported by Act One Twenty of a private operator for Prepa, and so we've been hard at work and very busy now for um, a little more than 18 months through this mm -hmm. was a, mm -hmm. a very rigorous process. And um, and as you say, it kind of culminated with the announcement on for us on June the 22nd. And mm -hmm. we could not be more honored and um, and and, you know, really excited to get started. Um, and for us, we've been at it for a year and a half, but but really the the work now begins. We, um, we, we have a culture in both organizations and now in Luma Energy. Um, you know, you, 
you can't provide great customer service until you have a culture of customer service in mm-hmm. the enterprise. And that applies to uh, all of our employees, all of our, um, and we're looking forward to you know, building out our Luma organization. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have systems, processes, and, um, and perspectives to really bringing a different uh, focus to the customer. And we're looking forward to um, rolling that out as, as Luma moves forward um, in in number of years. And I think there's lots of opportunity. And, I, I, you know, I, I'm completely respectful of the talent and the dedication that lives and works inside of PREPA. Um, mm-hmm. the, uh, and the, the most recent outage is, is perhaps a poignant reminder of the fragility of the electric power uh, system here in Puerto Rico. And um, we're really looking forward, as I say, over the next few months to, to get ourselves uh, stood up, get our organization mm-hmm. built up and then, you know, in, in approximately um, ten months, we will be the organization that um, that will be accountable for delivery of of electricity in Puerto Rico. Um, as I think about, you know, I think I think your question was, you know, how how do we think about customer, yeah, customer experience? Um, this is a, this is about delivering a quality product, right? And about being responsive to customers. And so there's, there's many things in terms of, of um, you know, improving reliability. Um, that's, that, was, that, was, that was actually my next question because you've been, like you said, you've been in this for about 18 months and now a little more than that, you know, maybe another month. So, you know, what does the grid need to be on par with other comparable networks in the U.S., for example, and how long will it take to get at least, you know, get it a quarter or even halfway there, you know, so that it's not something like what's happening at the moment that the wind blows and power's knocked out. Yeah, I, I think that's that is the that, that, that's a great question, and, and uh, you know, I it what what the grid needs is a substantial amount of um, capital investment and um, that investment uh, you know is likely to be funded broadly by um, federal rebuilding funds federal. and I think that's mm-hmm. that's a very very large and important piece of work um, I think the reinvestment of those funds will likely be across um, certainly more than five years, probably, probably a decade of reinvestment wow. because it's a, it's a lot of reinvestment. Mm-hmm. But what, but what I would say is, um, you know, pe- people don't need to be, um, um, it's, it's not, it's not like the, the improvements won't become, um, kind of understood or obvious or experienced by customers, um, relatively quickly. And so, mm-hmm. You know, as we think about our priorities, um, one priority is becoming a customer uh, responsive focused organization, right? And and customers mm-hmm. will 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 get a different customer experience from Luma. But I'm also well aware that um, until we get some of those foundational elements in the system, like improved reliability, mm-hmm. uh, that the uh, the real customer service you know, is, is, is difficult. Right. And so we're going to do, we're going to, we're going to improve the customer experience, but at the same time, 
there's significant priority for us, um, you know, as we start to improve vegetation management, as we, right. there are a number of, there are a number of things we can do and we will be doing um, to improve basic reliability, which is kind of the first step in a, in a, in a better product. That's what I was going to ask you. Is that sooner rather than later? I mean, because I think it's, it's not only pressing, but it's urgent. Um, to deal with the power grid, right? Not just for regular residential consumers, but even for, you know, commercial uh, uh, operations that depend on electricity to move the economy. And, and it is, um, you know, as I mentioned in our announcement, we, we do understand that uh, electricity is more than poles and wires, right? We, mm -hmm. uh, it is poles and wires. I get that for sure, but it is, it is much more than poles and wires. It is the enabler of, um, societies and standard mm -hmm. living and economies. And, you know, for, for individual customers, um, the moms and the dads, uh, across Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. um, you don't want your, uh, your lights to come out. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to suffer those those interruptions right and and right. then as you step back behind that for businesses in puerto rico um you know a solid reliable electricity system is vital to um to it effectively providing a foundation for economic growth which then mm -hmm. in turn provides jobs and employment and and uh and everything else that makes growing economies go around. So I think it is it is very important that we make those um, to the greatest degree we can. We make those reliability improvements soon. Now, mm -hmm. I I I want you know I want to help people understand that for the next um, effectively next nine and a half months at this uh -huh. point. We are building out our organization. We're right. hiring. It's the uh, transition. It's the one-year transition, right? It's the one-year transition. We're hiring thousands of people. We're we're putting our plans in place, and then a year from now, um, we can begin to make some of those improvements. And yeah. uh, and I am optimistic in the in the relatively short period of time we will be able to make a difference, a noticeable difference for people. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm also conscious that. You know, back to your very original question, um, how long until it's, I don't know, what the, the level of service that you might expect <laughs> right. to see in the mainland U.S.? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, it's going to be a number of years, I would say, until we wow. can get ourselves to that level of, of uh, improvement. We've got mm -hmm. a long ways to go. and uh, But uh, I do think we can make some tangible improvements in the first couple of years that people will be able to recognize. And the only reason why I asked about, you know, U.S.-based um, service is because, for example, my mother lives in Florida. And anytime the power goes out, she'll start getting text messages with updates, with apologies, with, you know, time frames um, as to when the power will come back. And I wonder if we'll ever see that here. For sure you will. Um, you absolutely will. We, we use uh, similar technology in the other areas that, that we operate, um, mm -hmm. the technology works very well. And, um, and it is just that it's, um, you know, you, you can apply some automation. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure. In, I'm sure in your mother's case, you know, it starts with, you know, we recognize the powers out our crews right. responding. Mm -hmm. um, 
we expect to get you a response in, I don't know, a time frame, right? Right, right, right. And, mm-hmm. and then once we have crews on scene, uh, those crews, the way the technology works is, is they understand what, what the cause of the damage is. They make an estimate of uh, time to restoration, we would call it. And then yep. in your mother's case, you'd get another an updated text and say, you know, our crews are presently on scene and we would estimate that the power will be restored in two hours. Um, and that, that technology is a very uh, widespread technology in the industry mm-hmm. and um and yes it's a play-by-play play. she 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 gets play-by-play play pretty much and and i sit there and, and laugh because it's you know to me it's so foreign living here you know what i mean <laughs> and 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 what i would say michelle is on top of that um so you know that that's sort of the customer service but a, a richer more informed customer service um approach right mm-hmm. the you know the the Perhaps more important piece of work is to to make some of these fundamental improvements and investments um, so that the electricity doesn't go off in the first place. So we don't right, have to send right. you know the likes of your mother a text to say mm-hmm. I'm very sorry, but we mm-hmm. know your electricity's gone off. And so we're we're gonna we're gonna tackle both of those simultaneously. The other thing that I think is very important that we're gonna focus on is training and health and safety of our employees because mm-hmm. um you know not, nothing is more important to us than than having our employees go home uh safe every night and mm-hmm. um and if you think about um the the level of risk and and the electric power sector the type of work that that our crews are doing they're out in mm-hmm. the elements they're out those are the people we're all counting on to uh, to restore our electricity, and so we need to make sure that we've amped up uh, our own safety and, and training for those crews and for the public as well. Yeah, I mean th- those guys those guys are heroes. I mean, let's just put it flatly. You know, um, after Maria, they were out there um, around the clock working, but I think it was a massive uh, a, a massive disaster that they were dealing with. So. You know, I guess I guess on the human side, it's understandable that it took so long. Um, but on the operational side, it shouldn't have taken so long. It should have been, you know, better infrastructure. I think. Well, and, right? and, and I th- and I think, in fairness to the teams that that, as you said, work night and day. Um, you know, the infrastructure was in was in difficult state of affairs. Right. right. Leading in leading into the hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Right. And. Um, and so that I, you know, I would say decades of, um, if not underinvested, at least invested in in, uh, in less than an optimal way, and mm-hmm. uh, and it and it led to, uh, um, and and we still face it today, which is what we saw kind of as we speak right now. There's a, yes. a I termed it a fragility, but you know, we really want to build resilience into the system so that. Uh, when you get a storm, when you get a weather event, when you, you know, when you, when something occurs, um, you can, you can quickly get yourself back on your feet. Now, let me ask you something. I mean, have you heard and seen the backlash from the Puerto Rican people who are opposed to having a private consortium come in to run the power company? I mean, have you seen it and have, and what's your take on that? Uh, uh, yes, I've, uh, absolutely. We have. And you know what, what I would say is, in our outreach to stakeholders and to customers and to um, kind of many people, 
involved with um, the the award of of the private operator, uh, we've received a, a a warm welcome, and and I'm very appreciative of that. I think mm-hmm. uh, we recognize the challenge that's in front of us, and mm-hmm. and we're up for that challenge. We have okay. also seen. Um, you know, some criticism and some concern. And I think some of it is, is under, understandably um, so in terms of anxiety for existing PREPA employees and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and jobs and, and some of those um, conversations. And, you know, my response to that is we literally need thousands of great employees to join Luma. And if your passion is serving customers and delivering uh, a better quality of electricity to um, to the customers and, and people of Puerto Rico, then we've got a job for you. Like we're, th- this mm-hmm. is not a small undertaking. And if you, if you couple, you know, the, just the operating aspect of our business with what is going to be um, several, several billion dollars of reinvestment of federal funds, we have a lot of work. And so, so does that mean and it'll provide great careers for people? So I, while I understand there's anxiety amongst um, existing prep employees, I mean, we're doing our best to open our arms and say, look, there's roles here for you and we really need your help. And so, you know, we're working through that in, in um, change, change is difficult, right? Michelle? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Uh, that's what I would say is there's a recognition that, that change is needed, but at the same time, change is difficult for people. So does that mean that you're going to be hiring more people on top of what um, of what Prepa already has on its payroll? I, I think it's I think it's unlikely we hire significantly more than what okay. Prepa has today. Uh, okay. We have we have a bunch of work to do in the next few months to kind of solidify that, but okay. um, you know, but but. Um, Aside so you would you would be keeping your, you would be keeping Prepa's current employee base, right? We're we're reaching so we're creating a new organization and okay. we're reaching out and and working with Prepa and their employees to say uh, we would really really like you to join our organization <laughs> and um, you know and there's and and that's been a lot of the conversation that that has perhaps. Um, existed in in corners of the media is you know and like i said it's understandable i i you know pe- people well, be anxious about their job and their role right and my my very honest kind of open response is just what i said a moment ago which is if you're passionate about electricity and delivering great value to customers then we have lots of jobs and we're looking well you know we reported on the linesman school Um, And there were actually people interested. Some even left feedback um, on the story that we wrote about it. So there seems to be a need for technical training and for that kind of, of, you know, those kinds of jobs, would would you say? Absolutely. And and um, and and, you know, one of one of the commitments that that our parent organizations made is we would open uh, a technical training school here. the the uh, the business of electricity is a great career. It is a mm. great career. It requires um, you know people with uh, a level of training, um, and and we really want to help um, not only facilitate 
improve training for our existing uh, employees, but also create generations of new line workers and other mm-hmm. technical trades. Um, because we know that, that that's, this is the fabric of our organizations. It's, it's built out of people. Um, it's built out of people that are trained to, to work safely and look after each other and, uh, and provides great careers for many, many people. And I kind of go back to, um, you know, the reinvestment, the rebuilding of the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we may be training people that don't work for Luma. Um, that, mm-hmm. That's okay. That's okay. okay. There, there's going to be tremendous opportunity for, um, for, you know, those, those types of skills. And, uh, and we're really excited about, to me, that makes that, that can leave a real lasting improvement um, kind of in the, in the fabric for Puerto Rico. Now, let me backtrack a little bit to the concerns of consumers, you know, the people in general, um, who are worried about rate hikes under the new management. Is that something that's up to you or the energy regulator or PREPA? Can you talk a little bit about that? For sure. And, and uh, you know, as I think about electricity, I always talk about reliability, resiliency, um, customer service, safety, and affordability. And it's always one of the elements. Um, and, it, and it's so important here in Puerto Rico. The way it works here in, in Puerto Rico and the way it's evolving to, I would say, is very similar, if not the same, as uh, in the mainland U.S., which is there's a regulator. Mm-hmm. Um, here it's known as the PREB uh, or the Puerto Rico Energy Bureau. And the regulator um, has oversight over uh, customer rates or, right. or customer bills. So today, PREPA um, brings forward their proposals for customer um, bills, and the PREB adjudicates or rules mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. You know, tomorrow or 10 months from today, I guess, um, Luma will bring forward its mm-hmm. own plan. Um, okay for that same process and PREB will have all of the rights and all of the authority to, um, to work through that and, and adjudicate on rates. Okay. What I would say is rates are, uh, as I'm sure you would, would attest to, and in fairness, I'm sure your mom would attest to in Florida is, um, rates are very complicated in, in the world of electricity and there's many, oh, yeah. But hers is much cheaper. Hers is much cheaper than mine. (laughs) Fundamentally, it may be cheaper, but it's still complicated, right? It's still still difficult for customers to understand. And and that's kind of the situation here, too, is um, rates are made up by fuel costs, Mm -hmm. which, which are not transmission and distribution. They're kind of a, you know, they're, they're a fundamental outcome of the generation that was, um, installed here in Puerto Rico and the fact that that fuel has to be um, barged or, or otherwise brought to for, to Puerto Rico um, mm-hmm. they're made up of some debt restructuring charges that are mm-hmm. a little bit of, of a legacy or the history of, of prepa um, right. and then they're and then they're made up of the, the operating costs and so of course Luma will be working super hard to make sure the operating cost elements are as efficient and as effective as they can possibly be. Um, and, and there is opportunity there for sure. Okay. The, 
fuel costs, the debt restructuring costs, some of those other costs um, will still be in customer rates. And, and uh, you know, I think customers will see some improvement in that over the longer period. But in the short in the shorter period, some of those larger elements are are will fundamentally still be there. And so um, but I guess back to the original question, um, the the ultimate authority there is the prep. All right. So you sign. Let's go on the business, you know, behind the scenes um, aspect of this of this transaction. Um, you signed the concession agreement You know, it was announced last month um, during that one year transition period that's um, embedded in the agreement. Will you be mindful of what happens with the restructuring support agreement that's being you know, hammered out with PREPA's creditors? Um, because the corporation should be credit worthy, right, to be able to move forward. Yeah, so um, we will certainly be mindful. We will certainly be participating. It's not our, obviously, it's not our uh, direct accountability, but we'll be supportive of the process. The way the contractual structures work right now is um, we we have a you know a number of elements that that we need to complete in this next uh, in this front end transition period. Mm-hmm. And then um, one of two things will happen: either um, the restructuring agreements and and everything associated with the bankruptcy will have been completed, and mm-hmm. uh, and Prepa will emerge from bankruptcy, and we will begin uh, commencement of operations. Mm-hmm. Or if that time frame uh, takes longer, we enter into. Uh, what was called the uh, supplemental agreement, which is we will then operate the T and D system for Prepa um, uh-huh. for a for a period of time while they remain in bankruptcy okay. uh, until those eventual um, restructuring arrangements are concluded. But it is it is very important for the long term uh, improvement of the system that that restructuring get completed, right? Right, because you were funding, right? I'm thinking. Well, and you can't, you know, you can't operate in bankruptcy indefinitely, right? There's, there's operating in bankruptcy has some additional um, restrictions. It, it, you know, you, you, you fundamentally end up paying more for services. So, I think there's there's some real motivation to work through and and finalize the restructuring, and it's very important that that, that get done um, over the next months and and so uh, yeah. Are you at liberty to discuss you know your opinion or Luma's opinion, if any, on the current RSA proposal on the table? I mean, do you think it should be approved as is, or should it be modified? I mean, do you have any kind of opinion on on that aspect of the operation i mean there's been much there's been much written and much much discussed about the rsa and uh you know i guess what i would share michelle is is i think it's important um for the parties that are working through those negotiations to work through them as as both pragmatically but also um you know, with with some urgency, that that would be my uh, and Luma's opinion is uh, it's more it's more about you know garnering support and and moving through those um, 
those ultimate negotiations, because as I said, practically speaking, can't be in bankruptcy forever. Mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. That, that is not benefiting anyone, and it's certainly not benefiting the customers of Puerto Rico. Now, does a non-approval of an RSA affect the full entry into force of the concession agreement? So, um, we, as I say, if PREPA is to remain in, in, if the RSA is not concluded or the restructuring and, and emergence from uh, bankruptcy is not concluded, then we are able to operate and move into commencement for a period of time. Okay. Uh, but and how long is that? Are you, are you able to say? The, the contract is structured right now for, um, I believe it's 18 months. Um, okay. And... Um, because eventually, as I say, you know, we, we we won't be able to make all of the improvements we want to make. We won't be able to make the, the substantial transformations we want to make across the 15 years mm-hmm. um, while, you know, if we remain in or if PREPA, pardon me, remains in bankruptcy. So it is it is mm-hmm. important. And I and I, it, you know, it has other broader economic implications for Puerto Rico as well. So I'm confident that that uh, that we will see. Um, the the um, the organization come out of bankruptcy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because obviously that's something that's been ongoing as well for a while. Now, one of the reasons for bringing in a private consortium to run the TND system was because one of the companies involved, I think it's Innovative Emergency Management, um, right? is a federal funding procurement expert. So what's the company's specific expertise? And, you know, how will it be working in the short, middle, and long term to make, you know, federal funding flow um, into the operation? Because it's there. It's just not coming in, right? Yeah. So, no, I think that that the, the, uh, again, if I back up just a bit, Mm-hmm. Luma, Luma's parents um, are Quanta Services and, and Adco, and, Adco. and uh-huh. then when we started to work on um, on this opportunity, we recognized that we we would benefit from some additional expertise on federal funding, and so mm-hmm. uh, IEM uh, is is a part of Luma. Uh, and IEM's mm-hmm. role is to just just what you say. They they uh, they have deep access uh, or deep expertise. Pardon me into accessing federal funds, mm-hmm. um, as people would, mm-hmm. would understand. Um, FEMA and related funding is complex, and, mm-hmm. uh, and and not only do you have to be able to access it, but you then have to be able to maintain compliance. You have to make sure that, mm-hmm. that you're um, doing everything you, you need to be doing to prove and to otherwise evidence that the money's being invested correctly and properly. Right. And, uh, and it's a very important and understandably so a very important element of federal funding. So IEM is our federal funds partner. Uh, they'll be working uh, as an integral part of Luma for the next uh, number of years. And uh, okay. they've, they've been, they've had, they've been in Puerto Rico for, uh, a number of years, they have uh, a significant experience, not not only in Puerto Rico, but in um, in across U.S. jurisdictions with deployment and management mm. of federal funds. And so, yeah, very a very key element of our organization, and um, and they 
you know, they, they bring their expertise um, to work in, in, in a way that um, is so important as we start to tap into these literally billions of dollars. And, and, and that said, I mean, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I think the Puerto Rico Electric Power Authority has to remain public to be able to get federal funding, right? And then what I've read is that there are millions, something like 400 million in CBDG, CDBG, sorry, program uh, funding for things like distributed and renewable energy, um, but nothing has flowed into, you know, in for that yet as well. That That's correct. And so... Yeah, I mean, a little bit back to the the um, it's, it's it's a relatively innovative contractual or commercial arrangement, and and I I believe that it's um, that it is the the right and and a very interesting arrangement for Puerto Rico. So I think the, a couple of points to to draw out the assets, the uh, you know the poles, the wires, the the, the hard assets of of Prepa uh, mm-hmm. remain part of um, remain Prepa and and right. remain the property therefore of the of government, the government. Uh-huh. of the people of Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Now, as we tap into the the billions of dollars of federal funds and we improve those assets, you know, you you um, I don't know, you can think about it like your own house, right? As we as we Put a new roof or improve the roof on the house we're going to improve the assets that that improvement that value um remains with prepa and so our job over the next 15 years is to make those improvements get that federal funding get mm-hmm. those assets dramatically improved and all of the benefit of that that the better quality assets through that um through that period of time and at the end of our contract in 15 years remain the property of PREPA and therefore uh, the government and therefore the people of Puerto Rico. And I think that's a very important, um, that's a very important element of why the contract was structured the way it was. So it has to, so, so PREPA has to remain public to get funding from the federal government, right? I mean, the short, the short answer is yes. Okay. That's, that was an important element um, and that was part of the reason it was structured the way it was. And those funds are are substantial, right? Yeah, Making the yeah. improvement without the funds would be very difficult. The other benefit of those improvement funds is, you know, it's it's effectively a grant, Michelle. So it mm-hmm. doesn't it 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 should improve customers' bills rather than come out of customers' bills. If customers mm-hmm. had to find a way to effectively fund those billions of dollars of rebuilding, it would have a dramatic um, increase on customer bills. So I, I, tapping into that federal funding is so important to uh, to be able to improve the, the affordability for people. Well, yeah, and, and again, um, perhaps have a, a more robust system that doesn't go out every time it you know rains or, or the wind blows. Um, exactly. You know, what's your take on deploying things like energy wheeling and microgrid interconnections, you know, virtual power plants, things that diversify um, the system a little bit? I mean, there'll be there's there's elements in here for everyone. Right. And there's there's um, for a very long time, there's a lot of uh, constituents and and people in Puerto Rico that um, 
that have spoken about and have a great desire for all the things you talked about. And then, you know, mm-hmm. you could add a few, you could add a few, right? We could talk about distributed energy and rooftop mm-hmm. solar mm-hmm. and, 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 and I think, um, my view with with the experience that we bring is you really want all of that and mm-hmm. uh, and the challenge is working through um, you know what are the most urgent priorities and then moving into the second and, and third and fourth order priorities but I think all of those solutions are what will get to a more resilient more reliable and more affordable uh, electricity system for customers so yeah, mm-hmm. and you'll see you'll see us making advancements on each and every one of those, um, mm-hmm. and 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 more. In fact, as as we start to move forward, what I will share though at the same time is we're going to do that with an eye towards um, you know we want to make sure that these investments um, and and technological improvements of the grid are there to benefit all the participants on the grid. I think we I think that's so important. Um, that all of our customers get get benefit from um, investments in the electricity system, and so uh, that, that, uh-huh. that's a broad that's a broad piece of policy work. It is, it is, and, the, and and that's another thing. I mean, there are there is a time frame for you know moving toward renewables. Um, you know, I I think it's uh, what ten years, twenty years to have a, a a good portion of the energy producing system be on renewables and not on fossil fuels. Um, so that's something that I ask you, you know, is that part of the equation? For sure it is. And, you know, I, I would frame that under the sustainability umbrella mm-hmm. um, that, uh, and, and Puerto Rico in many ways is kind of perfectly poised to make some of those big transitions. There's a number mm-hmm. of, today a lot of the generation is, is provided from, fossil fuel generation a lot of that mm-hmm. generation is also quite old and mm-hmm. and on the verge of retirement so it, it kind of works quite well over the next decade as some of that will naturally retire um as mm-hmm. as we get an increased penetration of solar and you know potentially other renewables um mm-hmm. I, I i think the ambitions of policymakers to um to move to, you know, to move the Puerto Rico electricity system off of fossil fuels are um, are completely attainable, and, mm-hmm. and yeah, it, it is part of the equation. And as I say, to me, it's all part of sustainability. We, um, you know, you, you as, as the world is moving towards a lower carbon footprint and thinking more carefully about their energy needs. Um, Moving off of fossil fuels is a very important element. And the other one I would offer, Michelle, is energy efficiency and, and giving mm-hmm. people more more information, more knowledge, and then more control right. over their own energy use. I have, I have one final question. Um, what's your view of the role of the regulator of the Puerto Rico Energy Bureau? So, and it happened... Um, you know, over the last few years, but there's a framework that's uh, that's now in place, where with the creation of of PREP, that's modeled after mainland U.S. Um, and in fact, I should say global utilities. It's a model that that we're well familiar with around the world, and the model mm-hmm. works, right? It, it's it's put the accountability on the utility 
to produce um, plans, budgets, uh, you name it, mm-hmm. and then uh, have that utility submit those um, to a regulatory body. That regulatory body uh, is independent. Um, it acts as, if you like, as an overseer, but it also acts as as an organization that can um, collect uh, public opinion and and take an independent view on um, on the programs and and progress that the utility is making. And so mm-hmm. we we have very uh, constructive relationships with regulators where we do work in other corners of the world. The regulatory work that that regulators do is so important. Uh, mm-hmm. It is uh, they they create policy. They they uh, as I, I used the term earlier in the in the discussion, they adjudicate. They're mm-hmm. the ones that will um, you know that will make sure that we're doing the things we promised we would do. And mm-hmm. and in the event we don't, they're the ones that that you know are are charged with sanctioning us. Um, mm-hmm. But but it's a very important role, and I think we'll see a growing role for the PREV here in Puerto Rico as um, you know as we as we move through all of the initiatives we talked about over the last few minutes. Um, the the PREV so, is a very a very important element of that, and they will be a very busy group as well. Okay, that was the question. You know what what kind of involvement do you see them having um, in this whole transition? Um, and you just said it, they're going to be busy, so. We're all going to be busy. We're all going to be busy, for sure. All right, well, Mr. Sensby, thank you so much for your time and for the, you know, all of this insight into the public-private partnership with the Puerto Rico Electric Power Authority. I guess it remains to be seen how it'll all play out in the next coming months and years, right? I, I think there's lots uh, there's lots of runway in front of us and and uh, and I'm confident as I said earlier you know we're 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 humbled in fact to be um, to have been selected we understand the significance of the decision um, and um, and we're excited to be here and we're excited to uh, over the next months and years to, to make a difference for our customers uh, in Puerto Rico thank you If you, our listeners, have a topic you would like to hear us discuss in this space, please send us an email to news at newsismybusiness.com with your suggestions. Until next time. This episode of Dollars and Cents was brought to you by First Bank Puerto Rico and Amy Taylor Fernandez voiceovers.